It's episode 168 of the Improv London podcast. I'm your host, Stuart Moses, and this week's guest is Leila Stepgood. Hello! Hello! It's so exciting to be here! Tell me, if you will, about Assimilate, a duo, what you are in, with Josh Hartz. Yes, we do improvised science fiction. And we love um, playing like speculative futures, so dystopias. Um, Yeah, usually the world's gone horribly wrong. Sometimes it's gone in a nice direction, but um, yeah, mainly our characters are being tortured by things that are going on around them in the future, which um, is tremendous fun to do. And um, I absolutely love it. And I get the chance to play all kinds of different aliens and also uh, loads of robots. So it goes, yeah, it's tremendous fun. Why is it fun being tortured in an improv show? (laughs) Um, I think it's nice putting pressure on characters because I think that's when you find out more about them. So the kinds of um, we like doing uh, pretty sort of in a weird way, grounded emotional stuff and, and, and relationship stuff. But around our characters are these unusual worlds. And the, the more pressure those worlds, I think, can put on the characters, uh, we can learn more about them through that. So, um, yeah, it's rather fun. I mean, it, it's nice because we get to work on both both the kind of micro scale, but also a macro scale as well, because you're thinking, well, there's this massive world and we're, we're what is important in that world? well to the characters what sort of things have you been tortured by <laughs> oh my gosh I, re- I have this memory of we played this in rehearsal I remember playing in a world where we were just these two little kids left and we would we were like we, we had this window in front of us which had like on the other side it was like a lab with clearly dead bodies on the other side from where something horrible had happened to the rest of humanity and we were just these two little kids and <laughs> It was, yeah, it was quite heartbreaking, um, but but really lovely to build the world. But yeah, it was, um, it didn't really end well or cheerful for them. But um, it's sort of nice also kind of trying to find cheerful things in, in a character's worlds, even though maybe around them things are pretty bleak. And um, you mentioned um, playing robots and aliens. How, how do you portray a robot or an alien? <laughs> well... It all depends. Um, I mean, I, I think one of the things I love about robots is I love playing basically essentially bad robots. So robots that might be broken or they might like have malfunctioned in some way. Or um, I played a robot when we, we um, guest starred for the May Days in December, which was very exciting. And I played a robot who just sort of kept noticing that they were being emotional and they weren't supposed to be, you know, so I, I, they were like, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be jealous or I'm not supposed you know so um and and in the end I think exploded because they were obviously um yeah going completely wrong um which was which was very fun but I think there's something about um robots that don't really do their jobs very well that I really enjoy <laughs> um and, and and that you can kind of project sort of emotions onto so one of them my favorite robots I've ever come across was um this noodle making robot. So it was like it, it had this very large, um, like, I don't know what you'd call it really, a, a, a gelatinous blob of noodle um, material. And it was kind of 
grating off in strips these noodles and throwing them towards a pan and it was like lots of them weren't going in the pan um or like hanging half out or you know and it, the way it was doing it was with this sort of flourish and with this kind of uh, almost like it was a little bit passive aggressive but also really enjoying like just making a mess everywhere um and I, I like that you can project these things onto them and sort of imagine that they've got that emotion and who knows? I mean, there's an AI recently, isn't there? I think it was a search engine that's gone um, a bit haywire and is, is um, coming out with some very strange things, I think, that seem very emotional. So who knows what's going on in their little robot minds? So this noodle-making robot, was that a thing you saw in real life? Or was that, was that a character that you <laughs> played on stage? Yeah, it's real. It's real life. I think you could. I mean, I think you could uh, Google and probably. I, I think there's videos on YouTube of like bad robots, you know, um, that you can find these things. <laughs> it was probably something Josh sent me, to be honest, because <laughs> he loves a bad robot as well. I had, it genuinely had never occurred to me to go on YouTube and uh, Google for bad robots. Um, you I will feel... now, and you will end up down a rabbit hole. <laughs> Uh, how did uh, you and Josh form the group? Well, I was, um, I think there were there were a couple of courses that came up at Hoopla and one of them was for science fiction improv, but there was also one that was uh, fantasy improv um, with Chris Mead. And I ended up doing that one, but I really wanted to have done the science fiction as well. I learned loads on on tomes. It was, it was a brilliant course and it was um, really fabulous. I learned things that helped me with um, improv improvising sci-fi as well um but i did want to improvise sci-fi and i noticed that um katie and chris were both going to be in hamburg and they were going to be doing a long weekend of improvised science fiction uh, and i was and i thought yeah I, I i really want to go and do that and i mentioned it to josh who i was doing a, a musical course with at the time and he was like oh i want to do that too so we decided to and it was quite a big deal for me because I hadn't been on a plane for over 15 years because I'd kind of got a, 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 a fear of it, a fear of flying. Um, so, yeah, it was a big deal to actually book a flight. I mean, you can imagine what I, when this is going to be. It was, of course, at the beginning of 2020 and I was thinking this will now open up my world. <laughs> I can now fly again. Um, but yeah, it was it was very, we had a really fun trip and we learned loads. But I think also we realized we were on the same page because we were basically late for everything. Um, we just would spend a lot of time chatting about improv and totally lose track of time. We nearly missed the plane because we didn't get to the gate in time. And they said, no, you can't get on the plane. But uh, luckily they changed their minds. In that moment, I was thinking, oh, good, because I'm actually worried about getting on the plane. But then I thought, no, wait, because it means I can't, I can't go and do all these fun things in Hamburg we've got planned. So uh, yeah, luckily they then said, no, actually you can, it's fine. So um, on we went and we had this amazing, um, yeah, amazing weekend. And Katie and Chris were actually on the plane um, themselves when we got on. So that was quite fun. <laughs> That's super exciting. I love the idea of, of, yeah, flying to Hamburg to do an improv course. That's amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was very eco-unfriendly, but I thought, uh, considering I haven't been on a plane for 15 years, maybe I'm allowed like one, one. <laughs> this is my <laughs> one ticket. Um, but it, it was really nice because we we chatted so much about the things we'd learned. And we did think we would, we wanted to make some kind of ensemble, ensemble science fiction. Um, but when we started to, when we got back and we started to play with things, we realised that we were forming a duo, which was quite exciting. Uh, but then there was a pandemic. So that kind of got in the way a little bit, but then also didn't because we started doing online improv um, as part of, of our duo. So tell me about, tell me about going online. 
Yeah, I, I found online improv quite difficult to start with, um, but we, we, we got a, um, a gift because we signed up, we applied for um, a study that was in um, virtual improv that was through the University of Kent. Um, but it, it was Boyd Branch's study that we then discovered. So um, we started working with Boyd and he went through with us, his virtual director. And each, and each time we'd have a session with him, we would then fill in a sort of questionnaire to say, well, how do you feel about these things now about improvising online? So it really helped give us confidence and also lots of ideas about what else we c- we could do. Um, when we were having our rehearsals on Zoom um, and things that we could use. So we started using things like um, Snapchat filters, uh, which was tremendous fun and very, very silly. We did some very silly things with that. There's um, We've got some videos on our Facebook page and there's, there's a very silly one where we're, we're like these, um, these sort of baby dolls that kind of floating around in in just sort of a void, really. Um, but Josh realises that he can manipulate his face to make it look really grotesque. And so he just keeps doing that to crack me up, which is really <laughs> good fun. Um, yeah, we played all kinds of things. There was one where we were, you can get to, so I was Barbie in Barbie's kitchen and he was Ken in Ken's kitchen. And we were just sort of chatting about comparing our kitchens. But that one never, that one may never made it onto our Facebook page, but it was, it was very fun to do, you know. So we, we played around a lot with those. And we also um, experimented a lot with uh, Zoom backgrounds and things. So we, we, were, we did, um, we kind of worked out how we could have a half a background each. So it would look like we were in the same space. And it took a bit of some tricks in editing and flipping things around um, because of the way that Zoom records things. But we did, you know, we managed to do that. And, to, and there was some video, there was a video called Inventory where we're, um, we're in this same space together. I'm really, really proud of it because we'd done, we'd done so much of like rigging up like um, a kind of a screen. So we'd have the screen that we were actually, you know, had the camera that we were, um, you know, doing the, the recording into. And then to the side, we'd have another screen so that when we turned around, we looked like we were looking into each other's eyes. And we had to do, quite, I know, it was lovely. <laughs> and we had to do quite a lot of playing around with that because we did one scene where I, it was off. I was I was looking too high up. So we had to make sure that the, our, each of our individual screens, I had an iPad and I think Josh used his phone. We had to make sure that they were at the right eye line. So it looked like that. And um, yeah, lots of experimenting. I mean, we had time then, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. So, so, so much time. But yeah, I, I, I think it's it was really exciting. Um, yeah, the opportunities that were obviously there all the time, but I just never considered. And I was very suspicious about doing improv online. Uh, and then I did it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is amazing. It's not the same, but it's it's like being it's like being a film star rather than you know, a theatre actor. And it's just there are different things you can do. And, yeah, the, the possibilities, yeah, amazing. Yeah, it, it, was, it definitely felt like a different thing, didn't it? And um, I think there's so much that you lose. Well, you know, because we've, we've just done, haven't we, an intimacy workshop where we were like looking quite a lot at touch and, 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 and being in close proximity to people. And so there's lots of things, I think, that 
you, you lose online, but there are lots of things to gain as well. And I think also at that time when we weren't able to see anyone, one of the fascinating things about when we were doing the, the study with Boyd, um, he had us, because how it works is, and people might find this interesting. So we basically, it, our, we'd each individually be filmed in our individual places. And then he would um, sort of beam in images, the images of us into um, a, 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 just one environment. Which was it was just really strange, but but we would we practice quite a few different um, sort of skills in that um, space. So we uh, I, we slapped each other in the face at one point, I think. But we also like <laughs> we also hugged, which was uh, which was really amazing because we'd sort of practice these hugs, and you would look at the screen, and it would look like I was hugging Josh. Um, but of course, as I turned around, he wasn't actually physically there. But something in my brain was saying, you're hugging Josh. So it was this sort of weird, like it wasn't, I knew it wasn't hugging him, but something, it was like a halfway house, kind of something in my brain was saying, I can see that happening. So, you know, it, it was very, very interesting. But I, I, yeah, it was, it was what, um, it wasn't quite a full hug. It was an imaginary hug, but it wasn't as imaginary as it being fully imagined. <laughs> that probably makes no sense. Yeah, I think that makes total sense. And, you know, an imagined hug is not as good as a real hug, but it's better than no hug at all. <laughs> exactly. I'm sure, like, I, I actually, I'm really intrigued about whether or not it did release some kind of chemicals or anything similar to having a real hug. Um, and maybe there will be studies about that. There possibly already are. Uh, but, yeah. It was, it was very good fun. I mean, you have to. I, I have to imagine that it would be because you know when you're watching a film, for example, you're feeling emotions, uh, and you're not actually in the story, but you feel as if you're in the story. So I don't know. The, the imagination's a powerful thing. It is. And they, they do say sometimes, don't they? That if you imagine something, it's the same as it happening. But I'm sure that can't, can that really be true? I'm not sure. If that's the case, the lives we've lived through improv are quite extraordinary, aren't they? <laughs> and so um, you were, you were, uh, you were still performing during lockdown. Were you watching other shows during lockdown and things like that? Yes. And that was super helpful. And um, we, so we'd watch um, the uh, um, Andrew Pugsley's Isolation we we tune in every Friday and watch it at the same time uh, so that we could um, chat to each other. Cause obviously that, that, I mean, that was a duo thing. So that was really great because that fed into what we were doing as well. And we'd get ideas from what Andrew Pugsy was doing with various um, guests that he would, um, you know, have streaming in from wherever they were. Um, so that was, that was really um, interesting. And he did different genres and stuff as well. Um, but I got loads of genre ideas from watching um, P graph uh, in Austin and they did just so many different genres over the time. And that, that got me really excited. I loved watching that. I did, um, I did space drama with Jessica Arjet, which was amazing. It's really fun. Um, I did uh, Disney, um, which was great with, I think that was Megan Sharrod. I did, I did a magic realism one. Oh, and I also did the Twilight Zone, which was really fun as well. But they were—they had sort of, didn't they? They'd have a program of um, of lots of different uh, genre things come out, or they were doing lots of other stuff as well. I think, but for me, the genre stuff really got me excited. I did another thing with Casey Beeler, which was great. So that—that's a the 
uh, from PGraph and uh, it was uh, Vampire High School. And that was quite a long session, but it was, yeah, it was really good fun. Um, yeah, we did a show at the end of that um, as well, which was great. But I also did, uh, uh, what did I do with PGraph as well? Grim, I think it was Grim Fairy Tales um, I did with them, which is another show that they do. But that was both Roy and Casey, Roy Janik and Casey Abila. So eventually we came out of lockdown. Yes. And yeah, what, what was it like getting back, back to the real world? It was, it was weird, wasn't it? It was really weird. It was really exciting and it was, but it's, I think sometimes it was a bit overwhelming as well. Like, gosh, I can now move in ways that I just couldn't before and I'm not restricted to standing behind a screen. Um, it was quite extraordinary. And to be able to connect again in that way, trying to work out how to improvise. But the first um, show we did was really weird because I we'd done so much online and of course the feedback you're getting online you're getting feedback often verbally um you know people are right well not verbally sorry um people are writing things so you know and you often it's not instant so it's quite different to then isn't it have an audience a real audience there when you're used to online so we'd done so much online and then we'd um we'd rehearsed a lot but we had absolutely no idea if what we were doing was what people wanted to watch um whether it was funny even so we did a, a variety show um we've got a night in brighton called scoops where we, uh, we have lots of different acts and um we would yeah we, we went to do that and i remember watching all the other acts and thinking oh gosh they're all so funny they're all so funny i don't know if we're going to be funny is it going to be okay if we're not funny um <laughs> And, you know, probably it would have been, but luckily we were. But it was very <laughs> different because, <laughs> no, it was, like, it was okay. But, um, yeah, it was really interesting because we'd done all these very slow scenes um, in rehearsal um, that, that had been quite long. And when we got on stage and we suddenly had this audience laughing at us, we were like, oh, well, that's an edit. Oh, well, that's an edit. You know, so we did so, our scenes were so much shorter and we got through so, so many um different scenarios and characters. I think that was also a bit weird because we were, oh, right, okay, we're doing it slightly differently now that we're in front of people. Um, but I think it is very different to having a live audience. Um, so you went on to host your own show? Oh, yes. So we did in October. We host, We really wanted to do a longer show and we teamed. Um, so we got an, another duo to come and support us. So we did a, a they did a 45-minute show and then we did a 45-minute show, um, which was really good fun. And it was it was nice to be hosting our own and and doing it sort of you know I, I um, designed the flyers and stuff so that was fun <laughs> and learn, and like sort of being like oh yeah we have to publicise this and taking money for tickets and yeah it was um, yeah really enjoyable but it was nice to host as well and we could introduce everybody to another duo that um, we really love who are great. And that's that was uh, two uh, two spoons improv um, Jenny Halfeck and Elena Kerrigan, who were both wonderful. So it was really nice to team up with them for it. I'm really interested in the in the sort of the admin side of improv, all the stuff that's necessary to get improv shows to happen. So yeah, tell me more about. I mean, you you you're, you're Brighton based. So is there? Uh, if you're doing, if you're making physical flyers, I presume there's places to put them and things like that. Yes, there are. But I think what I learned was, is I, I, I definitely ordered m many more flyers than we were ever going to distribute. <laughs> so that was one of my <laughs> rookie learnings with it. Uh, yeah. So um, I, 
you know, we had certain events we could put them out at and certain pubs where we perform. But I realised that, yeah, that maybe there wasn't actually that many places to put flyers nowadays. How many flyers would you recommend people order? And how many flyers did you order? Oh my gosh, I can't remember how many I ordered now. Um, I think I think it was over a hundred, maybe one hundred and fifty. It was way too many. Right. <laughs> it, yeah, I would I would recommend think carefully about where you're going to put them, uh, what events you might distribute them at, and also account for the fact that a, a lot of people just don't take the flyer um, and will just do something online or they'll just leave the flyer behind once they know about the event. So uh, yeah, I, that, that, those are some things I would ask people to consider. Yeah, so so don't feel bad. If you, um, yeah, if if you, if if people leave the flyers behind because they might have got the information they need and now they've just left the flyer behind. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I chose to read it. <laughs> so, how how did you go about finding a venue to to host a show at? Oh well, um, we were lucky really because they, there was a venue that came up um, recently that have ha- they had refurbished their theatre, so. We were aware of they were aware of them before the pandemic, and we used to go there a few years ago. But then, I think because they were refurbishing and stuff, um, we hadn't really tended to use them. But then it became apparent that they were having people again to perform on their stage. So, yeah, it, it's funny. I think we very quickly in the improv community it gets around. You're like, oh, oh, hang on, there's a new venue. I go, oh wait, there's a new venue, and then of course we all descend. <laughs> And then the venue were like, oh, my God, there's just loads of improvisers coming now. Do uh, yeah. <laughs> you want to give them a name, Jack? Oh, wait. So this is the actors who have been fabulous. So, yeah, this is the actors where a few of us are performing now and, and Scoops have, have been um, there for uh, I'm not sure if they're going to carry on in the future there, but they've been there for a few shows as well recently. So, um, yeah, that's a good one. Tea and Toast perform there quite a lot. And you've got a proper stage. Is there? A, is that a proper stage? Yeah. There, is that? Wow. Yeah, proper wow. stage. It's much bigger than the one we had um, in another place that we used to go to quite a bit. So yeah, we, we, we feel quite spoiled now. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. At some point, I would like to try and sort of organise some shows in Reading, and it's a little way down the line. But um, you know, I'm sort of like, oh, okay, I might start trying to be aware of potential spaces. So it's just useful for me to hear about other people's experiences. Yeah, it, it's once you find somewhere, I think that, I mean, I think it, the whole thing of being able to take, because improv is a bit of a risk, isn't it? And improv shows are a bit of a risk. So to find places that you feel comfortable taking that risk at that venue, maybe they're not asking too much in the way of a fee or, um, you know, I think that can be a real encouragement for experimenting and trying things. Um and I, I, that's something I really love about improv is just if you can, if you can have a space to perform it that is welcoming of you giving it a go. And um, Simon Goodway is really good at that with Scoops. He, he runs Scoops um, in Brighton. Um, and I can say to him, oh, I've got this idea, Simon. I'd really like to try this, to try to do this. It, can I please have a slot? Um, and he's really great at, at being like, oh, yeah, OK, yeah, give that a go. See if you can pull that off. Fantastic, fantastic. You are also in a surreal duo with Kathy Manson called Two Pegs in a Pod. I am, yes. Which, yeah, uh, we do We do a lot of, um, we like playing objects. Uh, so we do a lot of objects, but we did do, 
nearly we did do a scene which was nearly entirely interpretive dance at our last show <laughs> uh and it just started by how we both uh went to get onto the stage and then just became this um this very long interpretive dance um yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's me and Kathy, really. Uh, no, it's really nice because I'm such good friends with Kathy. It's really lovely to just be able to get up and, and do fun, surreal, weird scenes with her and feel very comfortable. Was, was that always the plan or is that just what happens when you two get together? <laughs> it's what happens when we get together, yeah. I mean, our, our show is sort of, it's it's not really, I wouldn't say it was an Armando. We just, we get up, we get a suggestion. We have a sort of brief conversation about our own experiences with it. So I think in the last one, um, I think I think we got um, jobbers maybe. And I don't know very much about them, but of course, Kathy does. And you had her on, didn't you, last on the uh, podcast talking about that um, and her experiences in Unbridled, so obviously. She, so she knows all about that. So she was trying to explain to me how they work. And the audience, of course, are just like, what is going on? And I'm like, this is what I think they are. And she's like, that's definitely not what they are. So we have this like little sort of, you know, we have this back and forth of like, um, what are our experiences on this um, particular topic? And then we launch into doing scenes around that. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's something that happened quite organically um, because we, I was, I, I had a, um, somebody wanted to book me and Josh, but Josh couldn't make the date. And, and I said, oh, would you take me and Kathy instead? And they said, yeah, sure. Uh, and, and, and so then we thought, oh, we need to we need to figure something out, and that's what we that's what we came up with. So I really like doing it; it's really nice. It's a really fun thing where one person knows about a thing, and the other person obviously doesn't. And there's something really funny about that dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I really had no idea what I was talking about at all. I'm not even convinced I I still do. Um, I think my idea was definitely wrong. And Kathy schooled me, but that's what often happens when you're on stage. You you forget key details afterwards, don't you? So I don't know now. <laughs> I won't be riding a horse anytime soon, probably. So I think it's fine. Well, one would hope that if you do, then you'll have some sort of other preparation rather than just having listened to Kathy on stage uh, giving you information about jobbers. Hopefully, there'll be some other sort of you know knowledge passed before you try that. Absolutely. I think that horses, you know, you're pretty high up, aren't you? And I feel like I need some more skills to, to know what to do. I have ridden a horse once. I went on a trail ride when I was in America. Um, and that was, yeah, that that was quite nerve wracking. <laughs> but luckily, like the horses are trained just to, I think, walk, walk on. So I didn't really have to do anything. <laughs> I just decided where I was going to go. And I just sat on it. Also, I've learned to tr not to trust things that people tell me on the stage because sometimes they're making it up. Actually, that's very true. I'm very, very gullible. So people probably could tell me anything on stage and I would believe them. And in real life as well. Um, <laughs> just, I just accept that what people say is the truth, which I shouldn't be telling everybody because now they know. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh, well, that's how I roll. I, I had a dad who would always wind me up and tell me like long tales that were complete nonsense and i remember once in class so, saying something um out in front of everyone like this is blah, blah, blah. i think it was something about potatoes um i don't know why i remember that but uh, yeah and I, I told this thing and the teacher just said to me um i think your dad was pulling your leg <laughs> in a very very sort of like flat way <laughs> it's like oh, okay <laughs> that was when i realized that my dad did that a lot <laughs> 
<laughs> and I shouldn't trust him. There you go. But there's something fun about being on stage. There's something fun about being on stage when people can just make up stuff with a really straight face. But then there's also something really fun when people tell the truth on stage and no one believes them. So, you know, it, it can work either way. So tell me about being in a troupe versus pop-up projects. <laughs> yeah, so what that is, is after the pandemic, I wasn't, because I was in a troupe for quite a while and I, I, we went through the pandemic together, but um, we did do some improv online, but but mainly we'd get together and chat actually, because it was, um, you know, we'd use our usual rehearsal slot to, to sort of get together and just see how everybody was and check in, which was really lovely. And it was really um, so nice to have that co community during that time, really. And um, when, when we came out of the pandemic, I think I realised that I'm, because I'd done so, so many classes and things and had so many influences during that time, I just sort of felt like I was on a bit of a different page creatively to um, everybody else. Um, and so I thought, right, I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave the troupe and I'm going to try doing just sort of shorter projects with people. And so that's what I've been doing really since is I'm, I kind of get together with different people and we create an act or a show or, um, you know, a set. Uh, yeah. And, and just for a short period of time, um, which has been tremendous fun. And it's, it means that it's, I miss out on being in having that regular um, contact with the troupe, which obviously is really nice sort of meeting every week and things, but, um, but in this, I think it's working. I found it really um, enriching creatively because I just do all these um, really interesting different things and, and one of them was uh, we did um, a group of us did a, a armando based uh, performance um we also uh yeah uh, did a horror show comedy horror comedy show called the shed in the thicket which i was particularly Ooh. proud of <laughs> yeah i had a kind of um vision that I, well, I, for a while i'd wanted to do a horror show and I didn't really know exactly what it was going to look like, but I had a few like little ideas and, and I said to Josh, I really want to do this thing. And Josh was like, yeah, but what kind of horror? So that really helped me because I was like, I don't know. And then I thought, right, I'm going to do something that's based on um, the cabin in the woods. And it's going to be in the style of that. So got together these, this really fun group of people. And we, we created this really, it was, it was like, pretty off the wall, but wonderful <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> People seem to enjoy it. So I don't think it was just my mind. Um, this show, and I, it was my first sort of debut at directing improv as well. as I did star in it as well. But yeah, it was really enjoyable. And we've done some fun things to do. Um, I wanted to have like a moment when the lights would all go out and we'd all have little torches. So we'd like one by one put on our little torches and do a little monologue. So we did that and that worked, that worked very well. Um, and we also played around a lot, like the Cabin in the Woods does with the horror tropes, um, with the archetypes of different characters. We played around a lot with that. So at the beginning, we had five um, archetype cards and we, we dished them out amongst the improvisers so everybody kind of randomly got a different archetype to play on the night and and yeah it went it went very well it was good i enjoyed it and i learned a lot about um just sort of knowing to when to get out of the way i think and let people who are already great at improv get on with what they're doing 
Actually, that was what I was going to ask. What did directing a show teach you about improv? Yes, so much. But I actually think I learned a lot before that show. So I think I had, I'd done a show a few, a a while before, where I'd kind of felt like fear had got the better of us all a bit. So I think we had this idea starting out, like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to do this thing. It's going to be really great. Um, but then I think slowly we all got scared and started to think we couldn't do it. So we sort of started to put a lot of structure in there. We tried to sort of say, safe, make it safe really by making it really rigid. And I think when it came to the shed and the thicket, I bettered that in mind. And I thought to myself, I know this is about fear because it's a horror, but I don't want to get us to all get scared. Um, and I, I think sometimes you can sense when other people are getting scared. And there was a show I did once where everybody just before the performance started asking really weird questions um, and, and also kind of getting at each other. And when I was reflecting on it, I was thinking, oh, I think it's because people were scared and they didn't feel um, they knew what we were doing. And so that all came out in that way. And so I think with with the shed in the thicket, when we got to um, before the performance and I kind of sensed we were feeling a bit nervous, I was just very mindful of reminding everybody about how great they were, but also about how much fun we'd had in rehearsals and how we were just going to do another show that was going to be really fun. Um, yeah. So I think I, I think I learned a lot before. But yes, I, I must have learned things doing it as well. But yeah, just like the people I work with are so wonderful that just let them do their thing, I guess. Yes, yes. I just, I find it, I find it interesting to do the things that are adjacent to improv. So whether that's directing a show, whether that's doing tech, or, you know, just doing a different type of improv that you're not necessarily going to do again. But what can you do by, what can you learn about improv by doing the things around improv? I just, I find that really fascinating. Oh, yeah. Well, and te- tech's a good one, isn't it? Because learning about edits and things through tech can be really helpful. Yeah, um, definitely, definitely. I, I, I got a lot, a lot better, a lot better editing after being, um, yeah, <laughs> being in control of the lights. Also, it meant that if I thought the show was flagging, we could kind of speed it up and we could get through the evening a bit more quickly. But anyway, <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, so is there any scenes with, uh, yeah, um, um, I don't know, animals? Yeah, we're not having that scene. I don't know where that scene's going. I'm not watching that. We're moving on. And I'd be quite blatant it's about it. Playing animals. Oh dear. No, no, I'm not. No, people being cruel to animals is what I'm thinking of. People oh, playing. Yes. No, I agree. I think sometimes um, that being cruel to animals is something that that seems acceptable on stage. And I've sat through some things when things have got quite nasty, or it's been quite throwaway mm. for hurting or killing an animal. Mm. And it's yeah, it's one of the things that um, upsets me. And I don't, I don't like to see that in improv. Um, I know we all have our different things, but for me, that's, yeah, that's something that I don't, I yeah. think editing, that's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, uh, I'm like, nope, I've had enough of that. Moving on, moving on. And <laughs> anyway, it doesn't happen very often, but uh, it's, it's useful to be in control of the lights when it does. Um, tell me about Beige Mirror. Ah, yeah. So we, uh, we created Beige Mirror for the Brighton Fringe, which was an, act that um we we took tropes from black mirror 
and and improvise that i mean you could probably guess that from the it, it was sort of a very our aim was to make very ordinary sort of black mirror so it just sort of it wasn't going to be perhaps big and epic it was going to be quite boring really dystopias <laughs> So perhaps the thing I think I remember doing one scene where I made really weird noises as a um I was a sort of machine that was just I think making a coffee but it was like absolutely massive took up masses of space and had so many different processes to it and made really awful loud noises so <laughs> so it's often like really ordinary stuff but um but done in this sort of very weird way Yeah tell, tell me you, you say you took the tropes from Black Mirror how how do you identify the tropes? How do you how do you, that process really fascinates me? Yeah, and it was quite difficult with Black Mirror, I think, because there are so many different episodes that are so different from each other. Uh, but obviously, the essence of there being um, often te- technology is somehow taken over and, and replaced human interaction, perhaps, or 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 is running was sort of forcing humans to behave in ways they might not want to. So it, it was quite an interesting show because uh, for once we sort of, we had an idea of how we were going to, we had bookend scenes really of how we were going to open it and how we were going to close it. And we used music and we had an idea. We didn't, it wasn't fully choreography, but choreography, I don't know if I can say that word, choreographed, choreographed. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't fully choreographed. Um, yeah, it wasn't. Um but it, we did have an idea about what we were going to do. So the opening scene, we had the um, infamous, there's a track that plays off uh, in several episodes of Black Mirror. And we had that track uh, and we did, we were all standing there um, in, in on this sort of like very small square, really, where we had a stool in front of us. And we were like, it was like we were waking up and we were going through like brushing our teeth and washing our face and things. Um, and then we'd end up, all sitting down to work in a very depressed fashion. <laughs> so, you know, that we knew that we were going to have that. Um, and then the end scene, we knew it was going to be um, people taking a break from technology. Again, we had a piece of music we used and we wanted these two people to almost connect um, and almost sort of hold each other's hands. But then to have that just like ruined by actually you can go back to devices now, you can go back to your technology and they go back. And those were both things that came about because we'd set out thinking we were going to improvise to create sketches um, and that we, potentially we were going to write down the sketches and actually have an idea. But as time went on, we realised that we wanted to improvise the scenes in between. But we had these two things that we rather liked and we thought would be nice to open with and to close with. Uh, and it worked really well. It was really fun. There were three of us doing it. So it was um, Simon Topping and Kate Lloyd and me. Uh, and yeah, we, and, and it's nice because they've then gone on now to to, to write sketches and they're now doing uh, Beige Door in the Brighton Fringe this year. So that's fun. So they've taken it in a different direction. I have very limited experience of using improv to create sketches. Um, it was actually at the um, May Day's retreat and uh, nothing I improvised ever got written down. <laughs> So, oh. so we come up. Um, uh, it was Katie Shute and Jen Rowe who was lead, who were leading the um, uh, lead the workshop, and uh, we had a scenario, and then we would improvise that scenario, and then we would swap people out, and other people would come in, um, and you know, uh, Jen and Katie would write down anything um, you know that was memorable or good lines or anything that we would want to keep and put into a sketch. 
<laughs> nothing I did uh, got written down. And it's not like I was coming out with gold and they were missing it. It's just like, yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> I don't think this is my kind of improv, but, you know, it's fun to try it. It's always fun to try these things, isn't it? But that reminds me a bit of when at the end of class, you have a circle of awesome and people list the wonderful things that they've loved. And you can't help but stand there and hope people are going to say the things you've done, right? Yes. And you kind of feel like, no, this is, it's fine. It's fine if no one says the thing I've done. It's fine if no one mentions my scene. But there is part of you that really wants the, your scene to be mentioned, right? Yes. And actually, I've been thinking about that exercise because I do that exercise when I run improv sessions. And I think it is good, but I think there's room for improvement. And I think partly is that is what you're saying. The way I sort of get around, well, the thing is that I tend to remember the scenes that I've been in. And so if I praise the person who I was in a scene with, I'm also slightly praising myself. That is cunning. That is, yeah, good work. <laughs> I mean, I won't just mention... around that. <laughs> but, yeah, there is there is that... Yeah, it's like you almost want everybody to receive some praise. And, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking yeah. about that exercise because I think, I think it's good and I, I can see why we would do it to kind of celebrate the things that we enjoyed or celebrate any learning that took place. But there, there is something that... Uh, it's not quite there for me yet. I don't know what the solution is. I think it's also... It's tough... I think when you're when you're in the the zone, as it were, creatively, it's very tough to remember what's happened. Yes. And I and I often stand there and I just think I know there were things. Sometimes I've actually during a class thought to myself, "Remember that scene because that's the scene you can mention." You know, that was great. I want to mention that scene. And then of course someone gets in before you and you're like, "Oh, I've got nothing else." But yeah, I think if you if you're in the zone, it's very hard to remember. Even if, if you've had like a two hour class and you're like, "I don't remember anything that just happened." <laughs> no, no you, you you're so busy participating and being actually in the scenes that it's really hard to yeah. So you're trying to remember things when you're in the scenes, and then you're also trying to remember the scenes for the end. That's a lot of work. So that's, that's, that's hard a, going. It's, yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot to do, isn't it? We give ourselves a lot to do. So um, you also, uh, you write reviews for Reviews Hub? What's that? Yes. So um, I review shows, performances of things. In fact, last night I went to the theatre and reviewed something um, and write and write reviews of them. Um, and I did, so last um, summer I did the Brighton Fringe and I reviewed o over 20 shows in um, the space of the four weeks it's on. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was quite a, it's quite a, quite a momentous thing really. Um, I mean, it's, it's great because I get loads of ideas uh, it's great to see what works and what doesn't. Um, it's it's lovely in the fringe because that gives me an opportunity to review improv shows as well. And I think it's useful to have somebody that does understand improv reviewing improv because improv is hard to review because due to its very nature, it's a different every time. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's so many there's so many things about improv. Like it's it's really nice when people who've never um, actually done improv and don't really know very much about it come to a show but there's so many sort of isn't there like behind the scenes stuff that I think when you when you are in the know you're watching and you're thinking oh that was clever that's what they did there and oh that's what they were that you know um, so it is nice to be able to do that because I think 
I do think sometimes probably um, improv gets reviewed by people who don't really understand it and they don't have the same. Um, I mean, obviously, because we get it all the time, don't we? People saying, oh, that must have been scripted. Some of that was scripted. Surely some of that was scripted. It's like, no, it wasn't at all. So, um, yeah, it's I think it's helpful to know that. And you get more joy knowing that as well, having that insider eye of, yeah, this is all on the fly. <laughs> and and also you you have a improv blog a spontaneous tortoise i do yes so i started spontaneous tortoise uh hope about well a year and a year and a bit ago it was probably nearly a year and a half ago now uh and it was very nice because i i wrote a, a, a very early post about uh preparing for an improv retreat and um wonderful mayday founder John Kramer really enjoyed it. And so he shared it with people. And then he uh, also then the Maydays um, had a link to it in their induction pack for their retreat. So it was really nice. So loads of people read it. And then I w went to the retreat and I turned up and all these people uh, kind of knew me through my post and we kept coming up and saying lovely things. And it was so encouraging for like starting out and thinking, oh my gosh, because also my post was very much like, this is how I fell apart at an improv retreat. You know, here's some tips on, on how to, you know, survive. Uh, <laughs> so it was really nice when people were sort of reading about your experiences, even though some of them were like, and then I cried. You know, people were happy to, um, yeah, were happy to read that, which was lovely. Um, and then I cried again at the end of the retreat because it had been so lovely and people had said so many lovely things. I was happy. So I just cried because I was happy. It doesn't happen too often. So it's really nice. I mean, being happy, uh, uh, that happens. But to actually cry over being happy is quite a thing <laughs> for me. That, that definitely seems um, to be my experience when I went to the May Days retreat. There was a lot of crying. Uh, it was a very <laughs> cathartic experience. Yes, it's very emotional and because it's such an intense experience. I think, and probably any doing improv over a short period of time, lots and lots of improv, I think can be quite overwhelming, especially because you're when you're going from class to class and they've got a very different tone. So the last time I went, I remember doing, um, in the morning we did music hall songs with um, Rianne, Rianne and Vivian, which was amazing. Uh, and Joe Samuel, of course, as well, who's on the, um, on the keys. Uh, and and I, I was amazed at how I took to it, actually, because I, I was thinking, I don't know what was going to happen here, but some, somehow something poured out of me, this music hall character that uh, has been in there all along, I suppose. Uh, and it was so funny. I, did, I remember doing a song about pigs wrapped in blankets um, and all kinds of other just joyous nonsense. And then in the afternoon, just a couple of hours later, I did a class with um, Lloydie, which was um, torch songs. And it was basically about pulling out your most heart wrenching heartbreak and putting that in a song. <laughs> So uh, that was highly like what a day you you know you, you it's an emotional roller coaster I think uh, yeah <laughs> crying is probably the least we can do right <laughs> but it's but it's wonderful fun. Uh, but you've also um, that's not the only thing you've done. Tell me about Scaramouche. Well, uh, Elena Kerrigan is our founder. It was her idea and she drew us all together. Uh, and in the, uh, in the group is also Harry Puckering, Rick Stewart, Carrie White, uh, uh, Liz Peters 
Joe Samuel, who is playing our fabulous music, uh, and me. Yay! <laughs> what a lovely bunch of people. They're so great. They're lovely. They're all fabulous to play with and very, very wonderful improvisers. So it's, yeah, very, very fab to sing songs with them. We do a rock opera musical. Um, wow. And it, it, yeah, Liz Peters is in it, which is so much fun to perform with Liz Peters. And Joe Samuel is, um, yeah, doing the keys for us as well. Uh, and other great performers. Um, and it's, it's a really, it's a really lovely group. But I think also it's so, ex- it was so exciting for me at Christmas to actually do a song on stage with Liz where I was singing as a singing, we were twin loos and we, we were like so these two loos in this um, petrol station bathroom and we, and we did this song on stage and I just thought, what a journey for me to get here because <laughs> a few years ago, I would not sing in front of anyone. So to be on a stage doing that is quite special. I, I, I thought I was tone deaf for a long time. I was told I was tone deaf when I was a kid. So I never used to sing in, in front of a soul. I, in fact, singing in the shower I used to feel awkward about because then my neighbours might hear um, so it was really scary to do musical improv but I wanted to do it because a lot of my friends did and you know groups I was in were uh, groups not groups I was in but groups perhaps I wanted to be in they would do musical and I thought if I really want to do that if I really want to get into these groups I'm going to have to do musical improv um, so I made myself go absolutely terrified uh, but luckily, you know, Heather Urquhart was there and she reassured me, as as did Joe Samuel, that I could do this. Uh, and so I just kept turning up and I kept going and I kept pushing through all that fear. And um, I remember having a conversation with someone, actually, where I was talking to them about how hard I found it to sing. And they said, oh, that's really sad because singing such a joyous expression. Um, and I thought, oh, God, I don't feel that at all. But um, having... <laughs> I just feel it's terrifying, but having kept at it and just going for it over and over again, I now get what that means. And I now like, actually, I love singing and I love singing on stage, but I, there is absolutely no way I ever thought that I would say that. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, I think that's really encouraging. I, I thought I get very angry when um, people, young people, children are told not to sing or that they can't sing because I think there's very few people who, who absolutely can't sing. And it is, as you say, it's such a joy and it's such a human way of expressing yourself. And also, even if you weren't a good singer, you don't need to be an amazing singer to do improv, you know, to improvise singing. Because, you know, as long as you are committing and as long as, you know, the audience isn't worried about you, some of the best things have been for people who absolutely can't sing, but they're just going for it. And that can be a wonderful thing too, so... Absolutely. And we all have different skills, don't we? So it might be that you find out that you're amazing at rhyming in the mm. moment and and, other, and somebody else might really struggle with that. Um, or you might just be great at finding the emotional truth in a song that really connects with the audience. Uh, yeah, so you don't know until you try. I guess that's improv, isn't it? <laughs> that's improv. <laughs> Please teach me a game or exercise that either you have made up or you've adapted or that you just love okay so for this i've been thinking about this and um it's sort of i think it's sort of an something to take into scenes really it's um been playing quite a bit with using cards for inspiration for characters so 
um, you can get loads of different packs of, of kinds of cards, like creative cards or things like wisdom cards and oracle cards online. I mean, you're not just online in shops as well, I'm sure. Um, but you can get like loads of different kinds of them. So um, me and Josh use one that quite a bit that's Martian cards, which is really fun. We actually created a show around that where we would, um, t- the audience would select a card for us and we would project it up on a screen and we'd each have one and then we would use that to inform our alien we created, um, which was, you know, that was a, a nice um, way to start a show. But um, but the other thing that we tried the other week, which was really fun, was we, I don't know, do you know percentages? Have you heard of that? I think I learned this from Jen Rowe. So the idea is that you take maybe two, maybe more things, and you say, right, this is the amount of percentage that this character is going to have of this thing. So we had two packs of these cards. We had one that was animals and we had another one which was um, objects. So we would say we would take a card of one of each and we'd say, right, we're going to have um, 74% of, of the object card and we're going to have, um, oh gosh, my percentages on the fly are not going to be good, but it's not going to add up, but that's fine. It doesn't have to um, say 10% of the animal card. So you might end up being like 74%, um, uh, say a, a table leg and you might be a 10% of a badger. And and that in then feeds into your character, and you create a character around that. So I mean, we do, we do a lot of aliens and things, but you can put that into a human as well and see what human would would have that table leg to badger ratio in them. That's amazing. I've I've generally haven't heard that before, and I find that very exciting. That's a that's a really fun exercise. Thank you very much for that. Okay, so you've what have you got coming up? Oh, well, um, Josh and I are creating a new show as part of Assimilate, which will be really fun. Um, I'm going to be doing some stuff with Catherine Steer. I'm putting that out there. She will possibly hear this. And then like we've been we've actually been developing show for many years. (laughs) We did a duos course together just before the pandemic. And so we have been creating it's been it's going to be a a show that's been slowly burning for a long time but that's going to be quite exciting so we're we're looking at that and um the other thing that i'm doing so in um april scoop so that, that'll be at the beginning of april the first tuesday uh, a group of us are doing a format called snapshots that we learned from um andial sudak at um the may days retreat um, her her form uh, snapshots that she created with some other people and we're, so we're going to be doing that we're called the snapettes and we're going to be, um, yeah, we're going to be doing that then. So if you fancy coming along and seeing us do what is a quite, it's quite a heady format um, in a way, but I think it's going to be really fun and it's going to be, and we might make make complete disaster of it, but that's going to be, that's going to be exciting to see. <laughs> Whatever happens, I think it's going to be a really fun show. So yeah, come along to that. I mean, you've said it's a heady format, so I have to ask you, what's <laughs> the format? Well, it's fascinating. So it's like you do these little, um, very little flashes of um, of sort of a, a scene, very very short. So it might be two or three um, lines, and then we will see them again later. So you kind of come back to them in a, in a in the context of a larger scene. Um, but but we yeah we just get the flashes to start with, and then of course it's up to us to work out how the earth we're going to bring them back <laughs> and how we're going to get to them. So um, yeah, it's it, I know right. Uh, it's very um it's really it's it's really fun but it's it's quite like blows your mind (laughs) i can see from your face 
<laughs> my mind has been blown. That sounds amazing. Um, and yes, mind blowing. Okay, time for the big two final questions. So, if someone were to step on stage with you, what could they do to delight you? Well, I love playing creatures, objects, animals that don't necessarily use words. So that made me make a lot of uh, noises, but I particularly love it when the uh, my my scene partner interprets what my um, character actually means. I uh, <laughs> just find that so fun, and it's so freeing for me. So I think I've um, I've often sort of thought of myself as quite a wordy person, but more recently realised that maybe. Not so much. And <laughs> I think when it comes to improv, I'm, I, I realise that I sometimes I can get a bit stuck over my words. So I find it really freeing to not have to think about them and to just think about what is this, what is this character trying to express? Uh, and yeah, and, and then somebody else interpreting it is even more joyous for me. Beautiful, beautiful. And... What's your signature move? What's the thing you do that saves the day, brings down the house, has everyone going? Classic Layla. <laughs> Classic Layla. Um, I think, I think coming on as probably a triffid or a carnivorous plant is definitely something where everybody goes classic Layla I often end up playing them um and it was funny because I was trying to think why <laughs> and I have this memory of when I was at school <laughs> when I was at school I had to be in, in high school I, and by this point I had done imp some improv when I was there in uh, before I got to high school and I liked drama then but when I got to high school I was much more self-conscious and lower self-esteem and I remember being at an assembly and I ended up playing because we had to do this little skit and I ended up playing the tree and so basically I just put my arms out and because we had green school jumpers everyone just threw their green school jumpers over me and over my head and I just stood there for the whole thing so I feel like maybe it's the it's a kind of sort of form of revenge from that I now like going wild and and eating my fellow um <laughs> improvisers characters on stage <laughs> Um, as a crazy little plant. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it's probably that. That's probably what people would say. Um, that is a fantastic, that is a fantastic signature move. <laughs> so the only thing that remains for me to say is thank you for being a guest on the Improv London podcast. Oh, thank you so much. It's been so much fun. Thank you for having me. I made this. That's improv! <laughs>